you know, today we're going to talk about conversations that matter. I mean, everybody gets that conversation. Most of us have had it at some point or another, whether we're in a married relationship or we're just friendships with someone, you just can't meet in the middle. <laughs> and, you know, humans, we're tough, guys. We are so tough. It's difficult to say the right thing, take care of business, and walk away friends. We just, sometimes it's almost impossible. But today we're not going to talk about how to do a hard thing, okay? We're going to talk about how not to do a hard thing. And it'll become clear as we go here. There's a word out there that is a scary one for good reason. We're going to talk about confrontation. Now, I'm, I'm one of those nuts that needs to know things. I need to, Karen, you and I, we get along. So I looked up the definition of confrontation, and it says a hostile or argumentative meeting or situation between opposing parties. No wonder I wanted to run out of the room as soon as God started talking to me about this topic. Synonyms for this are conflicts, clash, fight, battle, skirmish. Some people thrive on that. I don't. I don't. And anybody that knows me well <laughs> knows that if I have to really confront something, it takes everything I have to go into that situation and actually take care of business. And if I'm in a room and an argument breaks out around me, I get really quiet and I go into observation mode, and I just hope it doesn't like leak over onto me somehow every time. Now, yes, I'm an outspoken person. I say what I think a lot of times. As a matter of fact, I think in all love, recently a good friend said, you are appropriately direct. I was like, okay, all right, well, I'll take that. <laughs> but if there's actual conflict involved, I start withdrawing from the whole situation because I just don't want to deal with it. And that's not healthy. It's not healthy to throw plates at the person when you're upset at them either, but it's not healthy to just completely close yourself off and step back and not take care of what's normal human emotion in a situation, right? So I kept digging a little bit further and I said, okay, there's more to this confrontation thing than just that, surely. And sure enough, there's a couple more def definitions that I can actually get behind. It says discord or clash of opinions and ideas, a focused comparison. I thought, okay, okay. So two people don't agree about something. Their ideas clash with each other. They can come together for a focused comparison and get everything cleared up. I can get behind that one. It doesn't seem like we're out to, you know, redo the Civil War. But... It, it never is that simple. I'm very aware of that. <laughs> if it was that simple, why are we so scared of it? Because we're scared of either I'm going to hurt someone or someone's going to hurt me. It does go down to fear. I'll say that readily. I don't, I don't like people hurting my feelings. I don't like hurting other people's feelings. As in most things... We go back to the example that the Bible sets before us of Jesus and how he was put out there as someone to show us that you can actually do this thing. You can become, you can be in our flesh. You can connect with God and you can do this life. 
And right in the middle of the holiday season, this is the time that psychiatrists and psychologists say are their biggest times. You put a whole bunch of family into a small space with all their opinions and start poking around and you're gonna have confrontation. Absolutely, every time. Even if they normally get along or try to get along, confrontation is gonna happen. The problem is you just don't get healthy confrontation out of it. Because confrontation doesn't have to be a bad thing at all. Here's something to think about where Jesus is concerned. His very act of arriving on this earth and walking out his life with us was a confrontation. He came in here and he confronted a fallen world and brought us restoration. That's not a negative thing. But I'll tell you what, he did it with love. He did it with healing. No fear, no hesitation. And believe me, he had the conversations, didn't he? You could see it all through the record when you read the Bible. If he wanted to talk to somebody about their beliefs, how they behave, what their systems were saying about them, he had the conversation. A lot of times it was in the form of questions and stories that made people think, but he always had the conversation. So it goes down to this. What are the conversations that matter? Does that person in your life matter enough to you? to have that conversation. Most of the time when we have these big relational problems and we have these big things coming at us, it can go back to not having confrontation and it was a little too late when things got started there because we stepped back out of fear and we didn't actually take care of business and all of a sudden something that could have been simple and easy and taken care of quickly has so much emotion around it that it's massive now. We think that if we're supposed to confront something, that means we're gonna destroy something. I'm going to either hurt someone's feelings or destroy this connection we have. Well, think about that for a minute. If you're having this problem and you enter a room and you can't even meet eye to eye, is there a connection there? That's what needs to happen. That connection needs to be rebuilt because it's not having the confrontation that will often be the most destructive to the person that you need to talk to and to you. Because healthy confrontation is about growing and maintaining connection and intimacy. That's all it is. I think I'm a HGTV watcher a lot of times, especially when I have live TV. But when you watch these shows, sometimes you'll see people go in and invest in a property that needs help. They'll walk up. It will have been a beautiful estate at some point. Someone's pride and joy. But you look at it now, and the garden has gone to pot. The bushes are overgrowing everything. The trees are taking over. They've fallen over on the roof. 
plants are growing up along the walls and eroding into those structures. And the people that are gonna buy that know, I need to get this price down because it's gonna take me an awful lot of work and an awful lot of time and money to fix that part and to bring it back. Think about that when it comes to our relationships. In the absence of needed confrontation, things are not tended to. Just like that estate, it wasn't tended to. It was left to crumble. It grows, absolutely, but not in the way we want. So what could have been that simple, easy, hey, here's what I thought happened. Is that what happened? Conversation between us? Now requires serious planning, serious effort, and sometimes the help of others to get it taken care of. The biggest thing here is purpose. The reason to confront something should always be about growing or maintaining connection. Not about being right, <laughs> but about that connection. Let, let's look at it kind of, I'm always a visual person, so I'm going to end up doing that. It's not always about negative things. We talked about that. Confrontation can be a very positive thing. If you have two people and one has lots of negatives, one has lots of positives, Psychologists will look at this and say, okay, let's look at this in a relationship where someone is either takes advantage of people in their life or worse. Sometimes it goes fully into abuse. The person with all the negatives will do everything they can to give their negatives to the positive person and take their positives. And this one feels like all they have is positives and this one feels like all they have is negatives. All the good stuff and all the bad stuff. The right way of looking at it, when you look into the next one, this would be more accurate. Everybody carries positive and negatives. And if you're actually working together in a positive way, you're going to carry what you're designed to carry. Now, I use that term a lot because in God's design, our emotions are there for a reason. The things we deal with are there for a reason. We have design. We just have to use them appropriately. We would both have positives and negatives. We would both take responsibility for our negatives and ownership for our positives. And if we're interacting with each other, we're going to do our best to give our positives back and forth and to feed those into each other instead of giving away my negatives and taking all of your positive. So healthy confrontation is sharing appropriately what souls carry. What's our soul again? Our mind, our will, and our emotions. Sharing appropriately what our emotions and our mind and our will are battling with. And it's not always something wrong that needs to be corrected. A really good case in point, I asked for Michael's permission for this before we got started today. Sometimes it's just something that's not being shared that needs to be shared, and it can be a positive thing. I remember when Michael took the step and became part of the worship team. That was awesome. Then I remember lots of conversations between him and various people that he really um, honored in his life, where they said, hey, Michael, do you feel like maybe you should lead worship? I feel like I see something on you about that. And he resisted that for a while because he'd say, uh-uh, 
if you really knew me, mm-mm. It's like, but inside he knew. That called forth something in him that he knew between him and God, that God was saying, yeah, I've, I've tapped you for that. You're supposed to do this. And he stepped into it, and it's become a very positive thing for him. He realized, God's got me. It doesn't have to all be me. You can, somebody can be waiting your table, and you can just feel like God's stirring something in you and look at them and say, man, you have a smile that just lights up the whole room. And all you're doing is acknowledging something in that person. You're making them realize that they're valuable enough for you to take the time. If somebody has healthy confrontation, it means you matter enough to me to have the conversation. If we have a relationship with any value whatsoever and you have a difference with me or see something in me that needs to be acknowledged, then talk about it because it states value. So it gets down to brass tacks. How do we do this? When do we do this? Don't worry, you know me. I'm always very practical about things. Yes, there's the element of hearing God talking to him and saying, Lord, what should I do and what should I not do? Who should I be talking to and not? Is this all about me or is this something I really need to confront with someone? Let's turn to Matthew 18, 15. I'm going to read this out of the message version. It says, if a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him. Work it out between the two of you. And if he listens, you've made a friend. Now, a lot of us use this when we're thinking about church discipline and how to work with each other within the church building. I think it goes much deeper than that. I think this is talking about human relationships as a whole. Because it can be a job situation where you have a problem with a boss or you have a problem with someone who is subordinate to you and you're not sure how to actually move through this, go and tell them. Now, in our personal lives, we can just ignore the org chart. Some of you know that term, organizational chart. It's that thing when you work for a company that often they will put together that says, here's the big boss, here's the bosses under him, here's the bosses under him, and you're like down here somewhere. Sometimes. And you know that there's an appropriate way. If I have a problem, I need to go to the person above me, who will go to the person above them, who will go to the person above them. You got to do what policy says to do when you're in those situations. But in our personal lives, it's not about that. He tells us right there, go and tell him. Sit down between the two of you, and if he listens, you'll make a friend. Biblically, he gives us a roadmap right there. Then, if that doesn't make it right, it continues to talk about how you go grab a couple of other people and go sit back down again. But not just any other people. If I go to my peers, if I go to somebody that's going to be, oh, Leslie, I can't believe they did that to you. Let's go talk to them. Let's go. Let's go take care of this right now. That doesn't get you anywhere. But if you can pull somebody in that both of you have some sort of either spiritual honor for or both of you can see as a mentor, someone who has enough authority and power to help both of you in the situation and look at it, then that will get you somewhere. 
not usually that peer that you want to kind of go to and say, listen to what happened to me today. And if that person has enough security and you have enough security in you, the two of you can work that out. Bad habits, there's a couple of those let's talk about here for a minute. There's, this is a big six-cylinder word for some of us, but the first bad habit is triangulation. It's not as scary as it sounds. It's just a triangle. You see, if you have a person who has a problem with another person, a lot of times what ends up happening is they're afraid to approach this other person, right? And most of us have been guilty of this a time or two. We end up going to somebody else. I might step over to Ashley and say, Ashley, we need to pray for Sarah. Because let me tell you what Sarah did. And so now I've brought in person number three who had nothing to do with this. And now I have created more things to take responsibility for. Because now I have made Ashley see Sarah differently. And Ashley knows now if I ever have a problem with her, guess who I'm going to go talk to? Not Ashley. And so those breakdowns of relationships start happening. And it undermines your ability to actually resolve the issue. So you've ended up harming, harming other people, harming their relationship with each other, harming you. It becomes a big mess. Triangulation. Second bad habit, uh, this one's a big one, passive aggression. We're good at that one. <laughs> I'm angry. But I won't say I'm angry. Instead, I'll find a way to indirectly express my pain towards you. There's two types of communication out there. One's covert, one's overt. One's the one that kind of underlies everything you do and say. You don't actually say it, but people get it. And then there's the one you actually say. And when you are doing something that's passive aggressive against somebody, sometimes those covert and overt get a little bit tangled. I said I really liked your hair today, but there was something about the way I said that that made it sound like it usually doesn't look very good. And if somebody does that towards you, there's a good trick to it. If you're getting these mixed signals from somebody and they come in and you're, you, you can feel it, that there's a, some passive-aggressive issues going on there. Turn that into overt right there. Do it nicely. It's not good to turn around and say, now you're being passive-aggressive. It's kind of like telling somebody to calm down. Mm -mm, that doesn't work. And, and why not in this situation? There's times that that person doesn't even realize they're angry with you. How can that even be? because they're not being honest about their own feelings on something. But they keep finding these ways to needle and push and, and move into something, and they don't even realize it. So if you tell them you're being passive-aggressive, you're just going to escalate this thing, because they're going to say, no, I'm not. You're being passive-aggressive. So instead, that's where all this I statements come in. Now, yeah, it's cliche. We've heard a lot of this, especially in movies and different things for some of us. But there's a reason why it's cliche. Because if you take ownership for something, if you look at somebody and say, when you made a joke about how I looked, I felt hurt. 
and I felt ashamed. And you just put it out there between you and somebody else? It wasn't, what in the world is wrong with you? Why would you say that to somebody? That doesn't help anything, right? That doesn't solve anything. When you pretended that you didn't hear me ask you a question and ignored me, I just, I really felt like I didn't matter. Ownership, responsibility. But it doesn't stop there. Because if that continues, then there's more steps to that conversation that says, look, when, you, when I expressed to you how that was making me feel, that's still happening. And if it continues to happen, I'm going to have to change our relationship at some point. I'm just letting you know. You see what's happening in that? I'm not trying to control them because you just can't do that. That doesn't work. All of us have tried this at some point. To manipulate and control somebody doesn't really work. What I'm stating is what I will do and how I will change if certain things don't line up the way they need to. And then you can have a little bit of dialogue about it if you feel like that's what you're supposed to do. But remember how we talked about purpose and how it's really key? It's a huge deal, guys, when it comes, comes to stepping into possible confrontations. Your very first step, check your motives. Because are you clear in your own soul and everything that's going on with you that you're looking to regain connection? Is that what's happening here? Or... Are you wanting to punish somebody, point out flaws, make somebody get it right the next time? I need, they've got to change. Because if you expect them to change, prepare for disappointment. It really is that simple. Do I need them to change? Or am I just doing my part to make sure communication and our relationship is clear? That's a tough one to suss out sometimes. We look at it and say, okay, but they did me wrong. Yeah. Even if you're looking at somebody who is, say, you're, you're a parent to a child or is a subordinate of yours at work, you're, not, you're looking to get a connection back with them. You're not looking to just behavior modify because the behavior came from somewhere that's the thing if God can just show us and talk to us what is it that's causing this that's just a symptom yet you guys whatever is happening there is a symptom of something deeper and if he can show us what that is then we're not just modifying behavior we're actually getting to the root of whatever the issue is this is going to feel like a bit of a tangent, but trust me, it's not. Let's talk about spiritual leaders for a minute. This one's a tough subject, it's spiritual authority. There are times that it gets misused. If you've been in the church world for any length of time, unfortunately, <laughs> it has happened to you at some point.
whether or not it was a real situation or a perceived situation, it's still real to the person that it happened to. I spoke a few moments, boy, actually it was months ago, about forgiveness, and we talked about why you release things back to God, and it's not your judgment, but it's his judgment that comes into play, whatever his justice is. All of that's available on podcast if you haven't heard that one. That has to happen in these situations also. Because here's the deal. If you know spiritual leaders who use anger, guilt, shame, and that's their way to motivate somebody, get out of the situation. That sounds really abrupt, but get out of the situation. Because compliance isn't the goal here, you guys. That's just manipulation. And what it is is an indicator of the immaturity in that leader. They lack a healthy knowledge of who God is and how he sees us. Because if they really understood that, they wouldn't be able to treat people that way. Their relationship with God wouldn't let them. Just follow someone else. I don't want to go too far here. We may even have another time where we talk more in depth about it because I can tell you, I'm talking about this from experience. I'm not going to dredge it all up. There's no need. It's all done. The offense is long gone. Forgiveness is long in place. And God's justice is in place. And it looks different than the justice that I thought it would be. And I'm so blessed by that. So blessed by that. But in those cases, they probably are spiritual leaders, but they may be leading with the wrong spirits. Can we put it that way? Follow someone else. Talk to God about it. Now, I said that to talk about this. When we're in a situation for deciding how to confront our second step is getting past the fog of emotions. That's what's happening with that spiritual leader in those cases. They're human too. It's not that they're bad people, usually. It's that they can't get past the fog of their own emotions in the situation. And they're doing their best to manipulate and get this thing taken care of in the only way they know how. And in their immaturity, this is the way it's showing up guilt, shame, manipulation. We have to be able to clear that fog and understand we've checked our motives. We've got to clear that fog of emotion that's involved. And how to do that? Just acknowledge it. No, I'm not going to throw a vase at somebody and say, okay, now you understand that I'm angry. But it's okay to stand there and say, oh, I'm feeling so angry right now. I'm hurt and I'm scared that you will X, Y, Z. It's okay to say that because by acknowledging it, you brought it into the light and it no longer lives in the darkness and festers and grows in a way that it shouldn't. Number three, be clear and specific about what the issue is. That's a tough one. 
because it's hard to sometimes figure it out to get through the layers of here's what I see, but what is causing this? What's at the heart of it? You can't just keep saying, I'm so angry, I'm so angry, I'm so angry, and expect things to work out. Because at some point, you've got to say, what's the real issue? And again, that's where some of the I statements come in. And here's the hard part. Sometimes those are at you, not you saying them to someone else. Sometimes somebody's saying to you, when you did this, I felt this. That's hard. Because you, in your heart, you didn't do that. I didn't want to make you feel that way. That's, you misunderstood me. I'm sorry you felt that way. Uh-uh. We can't get defensive. If we get defensive about it, we're still not fixing this situation. It's not what we would call healthy confrontation. Instead, out of what they say, listen <laughs> and take responsibility for what's yours. Not anything else. I'm not telling you to take responsibility for the whole kit and caboodle if, if it's not yours. But be fair. Take responsibility for what is yours and empathize with their experience. You saw in that video, he said, I, I can see that you're really hurting. Oh, thank you. Now that's a crazy, you know, example to look at. But sometimes just simply acknowledging that that person is hurting to that degree can help a lot and can bring a wall down so that the two of you can talk and actually get along. The biggest, one of the biggest, number four, ask questions. Assume you don't know everything. Ha! One of my pet peeves, and I know I've done it too, and catch myself. Somebody will say something, oh, I know. No, you don't, or you wouldn't have asked the question. Or no, you don't, or you wouldn't have done X, Y, and Z. That feeling of, oh, I know, I know. It's okay to not know everything. And sometimes you can walk up to somebody and you, you know, we've been down this road before. And at that moment, you start doing what that video said and you're just like, you always do this, always. How about, this has happened a few times, hasn't it? Okay, well, in saying it like that, that other person has a part of the dialogue. It's not a complete attack. Instead, it's, this has happened a few times, hasn't it? Well, yeah, I guess it has. And then it's, well, what are you going to do about that? I'm just curious. And stay away from the questions that are insults and accusations in among them, because we're good at that too. Be constructive about it. Realize I'm looking to regain connection, not lose connection. Every time you're about to open your mouth, just think about that. I'm looking to regain connection, not lose connection. Is what I'm about to say going to push them further away, or is it going to pull them closer to me? Now, I'm not going to go much further with this, but I do want to talk about what if they're not willing to meet you in this? What if they're not willing to have healthy confrontation? And that happens. It happens a lot. You can do everything in your power to try to look at it from a healthy standpoint. And instead, you just keep getting ran over and ran over and ran over. They take advantage of it often.
there's a series of teachings that I really like, and it, I believe they're titled Power and Love or something like that, something Alan Smith teaches. And he talks about how you only have the power over yourself. You don't have power over that other person. And this is where that comes in. You can't make that decision for them, no matter how much your heart breaks over it, because you know if both of us could approach this like this, we'd be okay. My friendship wouldn't have to go away. My healthy relationship with my parent wouldn't have to go away. My spouse wouldn't have to live in complete silence with me instead of being friends. Or we wouldn't have to get a divorce. You know that these things could make a difference. You know, especially when you're bringing God into that mix. All you can do is set boundaries for you. And in those situations, it's a case of you've had those I comments with them. You've said, when you do this, I feel this way. Can we change that? What can we do to change that? And when it doesn't change, you've brought someone in to help if they were willing for that. When it doesn't change, you go back and you say, listen, remember when I said this? I still feel that way. And if there's not some changes involved, I will have to change our relationship. Just letting you know, I will have to make those changes to keep myself safe. And then you've got to work that out between you and God. What does that look like? Give it time to change. And if it doesn't change, what does that look like? What boundaries do you need to set that are for you, that work out to make sure that you don't continue getting hurt over and over and over again. I felt like I struggled with teaching this this week because we sit down as a creative team every couple of weeks downstairs, some of us who do some of the teaching and a few others. And I was trying to express what I felt like God was talking to me about for this week. And I did a terrible job of even giving an overarching view of it because my thoughts were so scrambled about it. I knew that this was a big topic because there were so many examples of that. And don't start searching among your own conversations with me because most of those aren't even here. Most, they're examples of people that are in my life and other interactions that I have. And you could see that just a simple conversation would fix this if somebody would just have it. You could see that this has gone on for 20 years and this person has decided to choose their pain. My aunt was talking to me a few months ago about listening to a speaker say that God used a situation in her life to bring that forward. She, she's an avid skier. She loves to go downhill skiing. And she and her husband were skiing, and there was something wrong with one of her skis or the connection of how her boot clicked in. And she got into serious trouble and was headed downhill and she looked ahead of her and saw that she had about two options and neither one of them were good. She was experienced enough to know this. Either she was going to go this direction 
and hit that tree, or she was going to go this direction where there were some children playing and hit them and then hit, that, hit another tree. That was pretty much her options at that point. And after she made her choice to avoid the children and just go and hit into the trees, and she finished up her emergency room visit and got all that out of the way, you know, God talked to her that at that moment she needed to choose her pain. Pain was coming. Pain was happening. But it was her choice. Was she going to take down all those people with her or was she going to choose to go a different direction? And that has resonated with me because there are some examples in my life of people that many, many, many years ago chose their pain. And it is something that I have cried out to God and said, Lord, I don't want to do that. And this journey that he has taken me into truly trying to understand relationships and truly valuing the people that are in my life has been a wonderful one. And I'm glad you guys gave me the chance to share it with you every now and then. Um, Early on, Pastor Glenn kind of gave me a little bit of an assignment. He said, I see you doing these things, and I see you just marinating in it and spending time in it, listening in it, listening to God. He said, when you feel like you have something that's supposed to be for the church body, I'd like to know. And then there's also times that he just says, hey, can you take this date and just talk about what God wants to talk about? So that's why you see this relationship thing with me a lot. This thing about freedom, this thing about how to work together with people, because it is so valuable. I don't know what I would do in my life without the people that are in it. And I wouldn't want to ruin that for anything. And I look at how he deals with us, and I hope I have the same kind of grace and mercy towards other people. I'm not going to lengthen this out just to keep going here. I know we're fairly early. But I feel like this is something that God just wants to take with us, to us to take with us as we go through our week. Father, thank you for giving us examples of how to interact with those around us. Thank you for bringing to our minds things we can adjust that cause our connection with you to be stronger and our connection with each other. Lord, as we walk through these next weeks and as we see family and friends for the holiday, if there are situations that we can help, show them to us. Give us the roadmap for that. Because I know that what you have given us is so we can make an impact on the world around us. Father, thank you for everyone here. Thank you for your presence with us today. And bless our week to come. In Jesus' name. Amen.